From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Welcome back to Political Theater. Hulu's new miniseries, The Looming Tower, traces the rising threat of al-Qaeda in the run-up to the 9-11 attacks and is adapted from Lawrence Wright's Pulitzer Prize-winning book. But what does that have to do with Congress? Well, the series shows eerie parallels to conflicts within our government that are dominating our politics today. Actor Jeff Daniels portrays FBI special agent in charge John O'Neill, a counterterrorism specialist who sounds the alarm about the threat posed by Osama bin Laden and who was killed at the World Trade Center in the 9-11 attacks. We spoke with Daniels recently in Washington. Coincidentally, on the same day, the nation's intelligence chiefs were on Capitol Hill warning lawmakers about contemporary threats the country faces. This isn't a war about one man. His people actually believe. I have to say that I agree with John on this one. You are making a mistake, sir. There's simply too much risk. Someday this administration will be remembered for the risks it didn't take. Jeff Daniels, thank you very much for speaking with Roll Call about your role in the Looming Tower. Uh, you have um, sort of the centerpiece role with uh, with John O'Neill. Um, it's a tragic character, uh, a doomed character, if, if you will. Uh, I read somewhere that you you kind of went into it with a blank slate, that you that you just kind of went with the flow um, with it. Let's let's talk a little bit about what what it's like knowing. Knowing not just the character arc, I mean, well, if you've been in any kind of like Shakespearean play, you know how it turns out, right? But so we knew how it turns out, but this is a real person. Does that, and it's also a very tragic event, is this something that weighed on you or was this a fun role, you know, that you could sort of sink your chops into? You certainly look like you're having a, you're into the role uh, based on the first three episodes. Um, I read the pilot, first episode out of the 10. The others were being written. And so I committed off the first one. I committed because I didn't know how to do him. I had never done this kind of character before. Bull in a china shop, um, abrasive, short fuse, gulped life. And bourbon. And bourbon. It's just not the, you know, when you, it's just not... uh, uh, I don't get asked to do that. So I'd, I'd never, I didn't know how to do it. So that's a challenge. You might fail. You might swing and miss, which after 40 years is, is, is what's keeping me in the business, is being challenged. And so that was evident. It was well-written, and it was about something. And it was about something that I didn't know anything about. I hadn't read Larry's book. I had never heard of John O'Neill. And I committed and read Larry's book and said, oh boy, and and then got into the other episodes and the whole story of it. I just, this is an important story to tell. There are a lot of people who, many who weren't even born in 9-11, and, and many who think they understand it but don't. It It's a great example of divided we fail, and, and this was back when government was full of brilliant, knowledgeable, experienced people. What do we got now? Might want to take out the brilliant, knowledgeable, 
some have some experience. It doesn't, you ask, it asks, what have we learned? What have we, are we better prepared now? And I'm not just talking about trying to get on an airplane. Uh, I, I couldn't help but note the kind of the symmetry. I mean, on, we're doing this press day, um, you all having a full packed day of, of, of events uh, culminating in a Washington Post screening of the pilot tonight. And uh, on Capitol Hill, like as we're talking, the intelligence chiefs for the United States government are warning the Senate Intelligence Committee about Al-Qaeda, Russia, China, cyber warfare. Um, if anything, the threats that we're facing are more more pronounced. They're the same people, some of the same people, but it's also more diverse. And they're coming from different directions. Cyber attacks, for instance. Were you sort of an Alex Gibney fan before before you jumped on the, nope. the project? No, never uh, heard of Alex. Uh, yeah, he had, he had all these the documentaries that he had done. It seems yeah. like a lot of them have have moved, been moving in this direction to a multi layered you know series like like this one. Looming Tower screams that we should be do, doing everything we can to be working together in a bipartisan effort to protect the people of this country. And, and I can understand, and Looming Tower certainly illuminates where the CIA felt they were doing it the right way and the FBI and O'Neill thought they were doing it the right way. It was two rights going towards the same thing in different, taking different paths versus one of them's right, one of them's wrong. It you got a stash of intel that you refuse to share with my agents. You don't know how many people might be endangered by being privy to information that you are not cleared for. Turns out O'Neill was, what he was screaming about happened, but I would hope we're better than that now. Portraying somebody who, you know, is high in the FBI, as, as John O'Neill was at the time, and looking at our sort of present circumstances where the president is, is challenging the FBI as a, as a threat to his presidency and so forth, is it, does it put a added pressure as you're as you're talking about the roles I mean there's you know you can talk about the role as, a, as an actor and then we're talking about it like we're act, we're talking right now which is yeah. that you know, I mean this is reflected in in our politics in what we're struggling with as a as a country and as, as a world is that is that a lot of pressure for for being an actor to, to have to operate on two levels like that no I think it's I don't know enough about what's going on here, so I'm not going to pretend I do, except that I, I'm one of the people that believes it's worse than we think. That whatever it is, he's covering up, and he is covering up something. These are not the actions of an innocent man. Is worse than we think. And the sooner we can resolve that, the sooner we can get back to being the United States of America. Getting back to your, your character of, of, of John O'Neill, um, he's obviously a, you know, he's an heroic figure in, the, in our history and also in the storyline, but also has these flaws that, are, that they really don't shy away from. Um, was, is, is, that, is that part of what attracted you to the role, knowing that there's this guy who is noble in a lot of ways in terms of how he wants to do his job and, and protect the country, and then also that he's a CAD is sort of an understatement for, 
<laughs> for how he how he acts. I mean, is was he that moves a, around a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> he was a guy in search of something, and that was that was. You asked about the fun of the role. That was. It's always fun to try to discover why a character does what he does, and sometimes the character doesn't know. And it's okay not to know. It's okay to just chase whatever that is. And I think um, he got engulfed in the importance of what he was doing at the FBI, which it was very important. Bin Laden has made these threats before, but this time he put a time cap on it, saying that whatever violence awaits will occur within the next few weeks. What I need you for is to figure out what happens next so we can stop it. He got on this Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda thing before anybody else was taking it seriously and he wouldn't let it go. I really wish people would stop telling me to calm down. There are bombs going off around the world. That doesn't make me feel calm. The more resistance he got, the harder he pushed because of his belief in what, what was right. And he's a human being who, as his partner said, gulped life. He was out every night. They, Richard Clark, I think, said, uh, I don't want to put it on Richard, but I, I read one of the resource thing was that John would show up at, he'd, he'd come home at five in the morning, and then there'd be a meeting at seven in the morning, you know, and he'd be either late for it or he'd show up, you know, still drunk or hungover or something. And somebody, Clark, somebody said, John, you know, just, just come in your pajamas or something. And he did. I think he came into one of those 7 o'clock meetings in his pajamas. You know, he was that. He didn't have a political bone in his body, and he worked in the center of all things political here in Washington. He had to work with all those guys to get what he wanted, and no one was listening to him. And it frustrated him to no end. And... Um, and he knew, and I think, I think, and this is all just an actor putting together a, an arc, and I, he certainly womanized, and he lived large, and he gulped life, but when he lost the support of the FBI, when they started to turn on him, as his partners told me, that was John's whole world, that was his mistress, was the FBI. He loved the FBI, and when they turned on him, I think he really started to fall apart, and, and that's when he started to reach out for some kind of goodness, and in the end of the season, we've got the relationship with Liz um, is like the one, the beacon of light that he's going towards uh, before he takes that final job that he takes. Mm -hmm. At the That's Twin Towers. Yeah, he was trying to change. And I think the kind of being tossed out of the FBI or asked to retire uh, triggered him to try to change that behavior. And then he died tragically. Have you had any, any people in either former FBI officials or current FBI officials reach out to you? I mean, as, as word is sort of spread about, about this story, uh, people who knew O'Neill personally or... I had a lot of help with uh, Ali Soufan, met with Ali, um, Mark Rossini, and I'm going to get my, I should get my phone out and find out who the other guy was. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Mark Rossini, um, I had a three-hour dinner 
dinner, meeting in a bar with about eight to ten of his former um, partners, guys who worked with him, guys who flew around the world with him, guys who were, you know, pulling the guns out and going down the alley with him. That was very informative. And they, it was the good and the bad. Here's where he was strong, here he was weak. You know, I didn't like John when he would do this. And you couldn't, you had to watch him. He was moody. You had to watch, oh, but man, when he was with you, when he was a man, you wouldn't, that's who you wanted in your foxhole. It was a lot of that. The, the interaction with the Scotland Yard inspector, I thought, was yeah. one of the, those like, sort of moments that, that you just you know, sort of illustrated there of, of people who could take a step back and say, I mean, granted, it's been several years now uh, since, since the events of this. It, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those roles that just it seems to sort of grow by the episode. It becomes more complex, and this, I mean, I would imagine that with something that's a, a story as complex as this, where you're, where you're working with facts and real yeah. figures and so forth, that, that, that sometimes that can be a real challenge to invest the character that, that's sort of growing in front of you, even as you know how it ends. One of the great things about Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, HBO Showtime, that whole side of storytelling is that they can take their time and there is a lot to set up there is a lot of there are a lot of moving pieces and places in these first episode two episodes that you just have to go to the audience you're watching a novel we shot a novel it's a 10 hour long novel now take your time here's the first chapter here's the second don't, we aren't going to climax in the second episode. That's for number eight, number nine. We got to build to that. So, from a writing standpoint, it's a lot of heavy lifting. You don't just to come in and have people just, you know, having dialogue about whatever. It's there's a lot of setup, and what I found was that I thought they did a really good job of that. So that by the second and into the third episode, okay, I know who everybody is. I know what the story is. I know where we're headed. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and that's it, this one was tough because of so many people, so many people overseas that you got to keep track of who's who, who's against who, who's for what. You know, it's 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 a complicated story to tell from a writing standpoint, um, and they are allowed to set up what they have to set up over a couple of episodes. This is, you know, that, that's, Godless was like that. Newsroom was like that. If your attention span is five minutes, then, you know, stay on your phone. But if you want a story well told and you're willing to invest some time, things like Looming Tower and, and many other shows, it's a golden time for actors and writers. It really is. It's driven by the writing. And, and an audience that is out there that doesn't mind binge-watching, but doesn't mind committing to a longer story, which I, I mean, I, I love that the business has found that format. It's a good spot to end on. Thank you, Jeff Daniels. You bet. Thanks, Jason. You can watch The Looming Tower on Hulu, and it premieres on February 28th. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please, rate us on iTunes. 
For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com and find us on Twitter, at CQNow, or at RollCall. Thank you for listening.